you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. So, we are new chapter today in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're two-thirds of the way through uh, the whole thing. And I thought, you know, it's a little surprising how challenging Jesus' words have been to us in our instructions on living this light uh, to shine for God. You know, there's nothing watered down here. You know, when you think of the Sermon on the Mount, you think of Sunday school, you think of these stories, Jesus up on the mountain, you know. And, uh, but this is not kid stuff at all. You know, this, uh, this stuff is challenging. So Jesus wasn't worried about offending people. He wasn't worried about people leaving his following. You know, uh, and I, I've always heard that if you didn't have a ministry where people were leaving, then you didn't have a ministry like Jesus had. So that's always been an encouragement. Jesus, uh, the life that he describes in these verses are, are calling us up to a higher level of love. And, and so it's not a law-driven kind of obedience, it's a love-driven kind of obedience. And so it's calling us to this pursuit of perfection and peace and purity in our lives of faithfulness and integrity, self-sacrifice and service, all of those things. It's a life of pursuing God above all else in our life, using those spiritual disciplines, putting the kingdom of God right at the center of our lives and uh, investing in heaven and our in our heavenly uh, treasure up there. So it's uh, it's all there. And today Jesus he moves us in this new chapter to uh, shining through our communications with each other. So I titled the message "Illuminating Conversations." Let's read there in chapter seven, uh, verses one uh, to eleven. Judge not that you not you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a, a, the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will, be, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them under foot and turn to attack you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your good word this morning. We pray that it would guide us and teach us and uh, challenge us, call us up to that higher level of love in our life when it comes to our communications with each other and with you. 
Um, I pray that uh, the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So one of the ways that we can shine for Jesus uh, and his light into this world, into this dark world, is through our conversations with people and with God. So there are a lot of things to talk about, and there are a lot of ways to talk about them, but only Christians have the shine potential in our conversations. I remember meeting a man named Jack Hines. I was on a hospital visit up in Anderson, and I was there to see Bob Saylor, and so was Jack Hines. And Jack was 88 years old, and he was on fire for God. Uh, he uh, told me about uh, how he got saved miraculously at the age of 33 and how up to that point he just resisted God his whole life. And then following him, making that decision uh, to trust in, in Christ, led him on this great adventure all over our nation, up into Canada, and I suspect other places in the world to talk about Jesus and the power that he has through the Holy Spirit. So he told me story after story about how he trusted God and how God did miraculous things through him and for others. And so when it, when it was time for me to leave, I got up and I, I walked out into the hallway and Jack followed me out there and he laid his hands on me and he prayed for me prayers that had never been prayed over me before. And when he was done, said his amen, I turned and walked down the hall and I said, God, what just happened here? You know, because it sure seemed like I was there to see Bob, but God wanted me to meet Jack. We had this illuminating conversation. My heart was just filled with light, and my hunger for God's Spirit was just so strong, wanting to see His power in my life and, and in the church. Well, that's just one kind of illuminating conversation that we can have, that believers can have, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Jesus, he's, His words today point us to three other kinds of conversations that have shine potential. Okay, uh, So the first one is caring conversations. So verses 1 and 2, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. <clears throat> and I thought those words might be the most abused words in the Bible. You know, we, we've heard it said, don't you judge me. You know, the Bible says you can't judge, so you shouldn't be judging me. But really, Jesus didn't speak these words for the one who was being judged to use to avoid criticism or whatever they're using it for. They, they are there for the ones that are doing the judging. Verse, verses 1 and 2, they, they describe this, the kind of conversation that we probably would never think to actually have with a person um, that, because we're being critical of them. And so usually our judgments of people, they never make it out of our heads. They just kind of stay up here as we, we sort of slice and dice them because, you know, we don't agree with them or, or we got something that they're doing, whatever, this reason or that. We're, we're condemning this person in the court of our mind. We're, we're calling them guilty. And that's the practice of condemning. And that's what Jesus is condemning. I mean, the person may very well need to hear some things that we have to say. But the conversation will never be caring if we're coming at it from a critical spirit. So verse 2 should cause us to really stop in our tracks when it comes to this and think about this court that's being held up in our minds. You know, what's going on up here? Because it's up here where we find the true measure that we're using to judge people. So it, judgment doesn't have to come out of our mouth for us to be judging people. So what's going on up here is where we find the true measure of something that's coming from our heart. So if we're always looking down on other people, 
if we're always condemning them, if we're always critical of something for some reason, this or that, then something's wrong in our hearts. So it, it may be that we have never truly received the amazing grace of God. Because when we receive that, everything flips upside down in our life and we begin to see people as better than ourselves. We begin to see our sins worse than any other buddy, anyone else's sins. Someone asked D.L. Moody, who's the person in your life and ministry who you have the greatest problem with? And he said, why, that would be me. And so that's the way it is when we follow Christ. He kind of flips things upside down. We've been forgiven this mammoth sin that we've committed against God and it pales everyone else's in comparison. But if you don't see it like that, then possibly you've not received that amazing grace of God in your life. Maybe you're just carrying around an insecurity about yourself. And the only way to make yourself feel more secure and better is to bring other people down so you uh, can be lifted up. Maybe it's a past wound. You know, something happened to you and your heart was hurt, you know, by someone or something that happened to you and it's grown hard and it's bitter. And now what flows out of you is criticism and anger and it just kind of colors everything that you can't see anymore, but other people can see it and feel it. Whatever it is, if your life is colored with critical conversations of others, if you're approaching others always from the top down, you know, kind of looking down on other people, Listen here to Jesus' warning in these words and consider that His love needs to touch your heart in a way for forgiveness or for healing. Uh, And and it needs to happen today. Now, most people don't really get past verse 1 and see where Jesus goes with His teaching. He's not telling us to never make judgments. He's telling us how to make judgments. And that is by approaching people from the bottom up. When we see another person and we look at their life and we see something going on that's causing them harm or causing other people harm, we're called as believers to to step into that and help them see it, see what they're doing. And that should lead us into caring conversations. Now, those can be very difficult uh, to have because uh, they always have the potential for going bad. So before you do, you, you need to take your heart through this examination. You know, uh, why am I being called to step into this situation? Have you ever seen the Matthew video? It, it was made many years ago, and it was, a, it was a, a, a film of the Gospel of Matthew, but every word in it was spoken from the NIV translation. So it's all Bible that's spoken in this movie. And so... During this part of, uh, of the movie, Jesus is depicted in a, in a way that I wanted you to see as he's talking about logs and specks. So here, here's the clip of him teaching about that on the mount. If you ever have been called a hypocrite, usually we don't receive that very well. But it sure sounded like those people received it. <laughs> you know, Jesus, he was using hyperbole there. And so that's why the, the director of the film depicted him as the comedian on, on the mountain there. He's teaching some very difficult things um, in a way that people could receive them because he's coming from a place of caring uh, for them. So when we see a speck in someone else's eye, before we can really help them, we have to be able to see clearly. And so we've got to, to take this examination for our heart. That involves some questioning, you know, questioning where we're coming from. So what's compelling me to say something to this person? 
You know, is it what are my motives for getting involved? What is why does their behavior cause cause me trouble? Is this really something that God is calling me to say something to them to, or can He still be glorified and, and I can overlook this? Um, so is it God calling me to do this, or is it me? Is it just bugging me? Um, so before you have that conversation, you got to go through that kind of examination of and really question yourself: Why am I stepping into this? And then at, before you take that conversation to the person, you want to take that conversation to the Lord. And so you want to you want to talk to God about it, and you want to bathe it in prayer. You want to you want to soak it in prayer. In fact, drown it in prayer. <laughs> Because God may hold you back. He may say, hold on a second, you need to see a bigger picture and he might give you eyes to understand what's going on uh, before you step into that conversation. And even sometimes it's good to take that whole situation and ask another believer, someone you can trust, about you know, what God's calling you to do, what you, know, you think you need to say to this other person. You don't have to use names or anything. You don't want to turn it into this gossip session. But you, sometimes it takes another believer to take a look at, at what you're seeing and how you're seeing it to be able to identify the log. You know, a log in your eye, you're just blind to it. You can't see it. Otherwise, you'd take it out. Um, so another believer is there to help you, you know, remove that. So plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Now, I didn't get that out of the fortune cookie that Lucy and I took, got at the Chinese buffet. That came from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18, and it's God's wisdom, and we should follow it when we're thinking about um, talking to other people about some things that we see in their life. Now, once you've got some clear vision, once you really know, okay, God's called me into this situation, then we're ready to have a caring conversation. And so our motive is always to help somebody in their life with God. And to help them in their lives with, with others. So this conversation doesn't uh, begin with, hey, let me show you the air of your ways. You know, that's not going to go good. You know, that's going to be a, a condemning approach, a top-down approach. Whether you feel that or not, people are going to hear that. Uh, so it's not, hey, uh, let me tell you where you've messed up. Um, that's not how you start. I learned this phrase from a pastor years ago that has helped me in having these kinds of conversations. Um, and it's this. Help me understand. Help me understand what's going on in your, in your life. It is so important to get another person's perspective about what you see in their life. And a lot of times as they're describing what you're seeing, then your perspective changes and that changes the way the conversation goes altogether. Lori and I have said a lot that a pancake has two sides and we need to know both sides so we can have a full picture of how we're supposed to speak to someone. We might have it wrong. And when you do that, when you go to somebody and you say, hey, help me understand what's going on in your life, that is showing them care and it's showing them respect. And when you listen to them and what they have to say, chances are when you show that to them, they're going to show that to you. And then there'll be a nice conversation. Even though it might be difficult, there might, there'll be a good, chances are for a good conversation to happen. Now, just being able to see the speck is only part of our responsibility. Jesus goes on to say we actually stick around to help somebody remove the speck. And so we're, it's, this is not a hit and run, you know. Hey, you got this problem, and then good luck with it. You know, we're, we're going to stick around, and we're going to... Maybe it's accountability that somebody needs to help them 
Um, you know, just follow the, the word of God and be, be obedient to it. Maybe it's just encouragement, you know, that they're, they're trying, to, uh, trying to do better at something. They fall. They need to be picked back up and, and keep trying. Whatever it is, however that kind of de- develops in that relationship that you have with this person, you want to stick around and be a loving, faithful friend and say, I'm here to help. I'm not going to leave you no matter, no matter what. So proceed with caution, but proceed. Jesus calls us into the lives of other people to shine his light into their lives. So we are to be logless speck removers um, that approach people from the bottom up to have caring conversations. Second type of conversation uh, is careful conversations. You know, I think so much uh, depends on uh, what another person believes, you know, where they're at in their faith, and, uh, and the relationship that we have with them when it comes to these conversations. And you, you don't really want to talk to somebody who doesn't have faith in Jesus about following Jesus, you know, because they, they, they don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them. Verse 6, Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls, pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Did you ever notice how in verse 1 Jesus says, don't judge, and then in verse 6 he makes a judgment? I mean, he's, he's calling a group of people dogs and pigs. The first one, he is, it is a prohibition against condemning, and the second one is a judgment that is, very, is coming from a place of caring and concern about people's lives. Now, the one thing that both of those animals have in common, dogs and pigs, is their appetite. They are all about eating. They are all about food. And the dogs that he's referring to there, they are not like the dogs that we have in our homes as pets. They are more like the dogs that are running around the streets of Brazil. You know, down there, over in India, they are, they are considered rodents because they're just in the streets looking for something to eat. And pigs, they were considered a disgusting animal to the Jews. They were forbidden to eat pork. And so who could Jesus have in mind as he's talking about these dogs and pigs? Well, he's speaking about people who are lost in darkness, who don't know Jesus yet. Those people that we would call unbelievers. Um, he, and the Jews, they would have had in mind uh, Gentiles, people that were outside uh, the, the Jewish faith. Now, at home at our house, we have a dog named Watson. And I can guarantee you that, uh, I, can, I can guarantee you, I know exactly when Watson's favorite two times a day are. They're at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. And those are the two times he gets fed, you know. And so uh, we, when we got him, we, we would give him his food in a bowl. And uh, we had to stop doing that because he would just, like, turn on the vacuum cleaner and just inhale it. And so we decided to start feeding him in this treat ball. So we put all his food in this ball that has a little hole in it, and he has got to nose it around the, the, the living room. And as the, as the food, you know, drops out of there, he's... He can eat it, and so it's it's kind of slowed him down from a minute to about five minutes, you know, in his in his meal time. And so he's always watching us eat. You know, if we're having dinner around the table, you can find Watson at our feet. We're always telling him to go to the other room, and and if he goes, or if he he'll sit right in front of you and he'll just stare at you while you're eating. He's just locked in, you know. His eyes are kind of squinted. He's drooling, you know, just waiting for some food to drop. In fact, if Lori is cooking in the kitchen, Watson a lot of times is, is laying at her feet, but he's not looking up, her at, up at her with loving devotion. He's just scanning the floor like this, 
looking for something that falls so he can pounce on it. You know, he's all about food. We had rotten tomatoes that we threw out in the back and around a couple of trees. And every time Watson goes out, he goes right for the rotten tomatoes. You know, I thought, I could start feeding this dog steak in the morning. But I'm not going to do that because he is just as satisfied eating rotten tomatoes as he is steak. He, he doesn't get it. He's just a dog. He just wants to eat. And pigs can't do anything with a pearl. If a pig chomps down on a pearl, it is going to hurt and he's going to drop it, and then he might get mad enough, he turns around and takes a bite out of you. So that's what Jesus is talking about. When it comes to those who don't know Christ, we need to have careful conversations with them about the Lord and about our spiritual life. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So all of these conversations that we have with people who are not yet believers need to be more than dialogues one to the other. They need to be trialogues where we're talking to God and talking to this other person. Trying to see where the Holy Spirit has been in this person's life because we're not the first person to bring the light of Christ into their life or the message of Christ. Holy Spirit's been there working before we ever got there and we want to cooperate with him and not mess things up. Um, in the mid-90s, when I was writing software with my dad, I, I had a, a client that was down in Franklin, Indiana. And so I would go on site to develop this software. And they put me in this office that was next to another guy. And he and I became, um, we became really good friends. Probably one of the best friends that I've ever had. Um, he's a guy who, who knew he wasn't a believer. And so he, he was the kind of guy that was like, you know, if I ever step foot in a church, you know, i got to watch out for the lightning. You know, so I just don't go there. He was just working hard, making money, trying to have fun on the weekends. And that's kind of his life. So what, we, what ended up happening was we ended up eating lunch a lot of days during the weeks together. And, and that, hap- that lasted for several months in a row. And it just gave me opportunity to share with him about how I was born again and, and share with him about uh, my life and my faith and how that was, you know, how that was working. And so we had some really great uh, conversations, and, and God really uh, changed my heart on how to share pearls with someone who didn't have any ability to do anything with them. And so one day, I felt like he was really close to taking a step of faith in Christ. And so I started to push him from the other office. You know, we're in the office working, and I'm, I don't remember what I said, but I remember what he said. He said, you want me to believe? You want me to say a prayer? Well, I'll flip the switch today. Let's just do it. And, yeah, so I pushed him too hard. I pushed him too far. And he turned on me because that's what happens when you throw your pearls before swine. you got to be careful. Now, thankfully, our friendship was strong enough that that conversation didn't ruin our relationship. He forgave me of my forcing, and God used him to teach me to be more of a careful fisher of men. Having careful conversations really begins with how we see unbelievers, you know, how we see in their life. God changes, as he changes us on the inside, we begin to see people like he sees them who aren't believers yet. Those dogs and pigs become something different in our eyes. They become sheep without a shepherd. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 36, we find out how Jesus saw the people. 
It says there, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So that's what happens. That's what happens as we follow Christ, as he works in our lives. We begin to see people who don't know him yet as sheep without a shepherd. And it stirs compassion in our hearts to, to love them because we, we know that Jesus could do so much for them. Like right now. You know, if they only knew how much God loves them and, and how much he wants to be in their life. If they only knew how, how much Jesus has done for them and, and, and what he would do if he, came, if, if he came into their life, if they opened themselves up to trusting him. How do they get that understanding? Through careful conversations that people have with us. Sharing, you know, what Jesus has done in our life and how life is different because we have, have faith, because we're following him. That doesn't mean uh, that we can't be bold, you know, in our, in our conversations, but it just need, need, means we need to be careful with our boldness. And I thought, you know, just bringing up Jesus in conversation is bold today, you know. Just, you know, saying, I talked to Jesus this morning, and, you know, what, just bring him up. When we do that, you don't understand how big of a deal that is to speak his name. Because uh, that means that we have faith, and so many people don't have that. When you talk about your personal relationship, like, you know, just talk to Jesus over coffee this morning, people are like, what? You know, and it, put, it plants a seed in there. So proceed with caution, uh, but proceed. Because we can have these illuminated conversations with people who don't know the shepherd. And then verses 7 to 11, Jesus moves us to the exact opposite kind of conversation that we can have, and that's a carefree conversation with God. Uh, he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if, his, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I really love it that they put an exclamation point at the end of that sentence. So these words, these words that we've just heard again, are from the Son, talking about his Father. You know, he's talking about the kind of Father that we have in heaven, the kind of conversation that we can have with him. So Jesus is telling us, as children of God, we should go to our Heavenly Father and ask Him for His intervention and His involvement in our lives. And He points to human fathers as, as the example. He said, uh, we know how to give uh, what is good to our children. If they come and they ask for something that's good for them, we'll give it to them. If they come and seek advice, we'll give them advice. If they come and ask, them to, ask us to help them through a, uh, unlock a door, we'll help them uh, do that. I mean, don't we as dads do that? I mean, fallen human beings, we know how to give good gifts uh, to our children. So if they come and they ask for something good, we give it to them. Or we help them, however which way we can. So conclusion is, is if we, just our fallen human beings, and God and Jesus calls us evil because he's comparing us to uh, the Heavenly Father. So if we know how to do that, how much more does God know how to do that? So he's saying in conclusion, run to the Father. Run to him and ask, ask him for his help in our lives. 
Now here, Jesus says something. Everyone who asks, seeks, and knocks gets answered. Everyone. So you don't have to get cleaned up to go into the Father's room to talk to Him. You can just run in there. Jesus has made a way for us. That door is is open. Now you may need to get clean. Uh, you may need to come clean with God when you go in there. You may need to get honest with Him. Say, listen, I know I haven't been here in a while. I know I've been kind of doing my own thing or I've, I've been trying to do this and I keep messing up. None of us have ever done a perfect day. So every time we come to the Father, we should ask for forgiveness. But we should come. Jesus has paid the penalty for our offenses on the cross. And so our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. They've been, they've been removed from us. So every time we come before him, we ask for his forgiveness. We, we just say, you know, this is me today. And you know what? God, his love never is diminished by what we do. His door is never locked to his children. It's always Always open. And when we do that, we can have this carefree conversation uh, with him. One of the great blessings that I have had for the last 22 years in my life is living next door to my parents. You know, I, I, it's very easy for me to, to just go next door and sit down with my mom and dad and have, have a conversation. And, and I know that if I ask my mom and dad for anything um, and, and they're able to give it, and it's good, they'll give it to me. Um, it, when I have gone over there and asked for their counsel, they've never said to me, hey, we did our time with you. Go figure it out yourself. You know, um, I've, I've, never, uh, I've never gone over there and, and, and uh, said, hey, I, we need some help you know, with this rough patch. And, and they, they've always helped. I mean, that, that's the kind of relationship that, uh, that we have with, with my mom and dad. And I know that everybody doesn't have that kind of relationship with their parents. And if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't have that kind of relationship with my parents. Um, but you know what? It's, it's easy to go over there and just sit down and talk to them because I know that they love me and I know that they want uh, good for me. And that's how it can be with our Heavenly Father, only it's, it's way better because, because He is God <laughs> and He is perfect and He is perfectly good and perfectly wise. And so we want to take it from the Son, who is the exact imprint, imprint of His Heavenly Father's nature, that God has an open-door policy with His children. God is inviting us into His room to have these kinds of conversations, to ask and seek and knock. Now, the Jews, they, didn't, they, they weren't used to hearing that. They couldn't relate to God as Father. That, to, to them, God was unapproachable. You know, He was distant. He was there to be worshipped, but He wasn't a Father. But the Son says that's not how He is. The, the Son's saying, go to Him. Run to him. Bring him your life. He is ready to receive you into his arms. He is ready to hang on to your every word, every fear, every care. He wants to hear from you. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to provide light for your life. He wants to do all these things. That right there, it's all there. If we would just run. But we stay away, don't we? We stay away. We, we let our sins keep us from running in there. And we think we don't deserve to talk to God. Or we don't deserve to be answered by God. We let our doubts keep us away. You know, as we think about these conversations with God, and you know, we think, well, why does He want to hear from me? 
Or uh, he won't answer me this time. I've prayed this prayer a hundred times. He's not answering. Or uh, I don't pray right. So what's the use? Our pride keeps us from going in there. We want to we do this on our own. We want to figure it out. All these things, they keep us away. But the Son, He's beckoning us. He's beckoning us to ask, to seek, and to knock. He says, you're missing out. Not on the answers, but on these conversations. I've got this prayer app on my phone. And it pops up notifications to remind me to pray for things that I want to see God do in our church and in our lives. And so sometimes this, these will pop up on my phone and, and, and I'll be like, does this really do any good? And then sometimes it'll pop up on my phone and, and I'll be like, maybe today is the day God's going to answer this prayer. And sometimes it'll pop up with a, a prayer request that I've seen God answer. And it gives me encouragement just to pray all day long. And he's listening. He's working. You know, the answers are coming in his time. All this praying stuff, running to his room, it all takes faith. Because it's all kind of mysterious, you know, of, of how it works and how, how this all works. And I think when we read this passage, we get stuck on, you know, well, if I, if I ask, you know, this, Jesus says, I'll, I'll get it. You know, Larry Crabb, he read that when he was a kid. And he went out onto his driveway and he started jumping. God, I want to fly. And God didn't answer the prayer. And then Larry Crabb says, and that began kind of a frustration with 50 years of my prayer life. You know, why? How does this work? I don't know how it works. But we don't know. We don't have to know how it works. God knows how it works. He knows what's good for us when we ask and what he needs to give us. He knows the advice that we need and when we need it. He knows when to open those doors for us to make it all work within his will. Let's leave that to God. That's his work. Our work is to run in there. And to ask and to seek and to knock and have carefree conversations with him that will fill us up with light and life and give us strength for our walk with him as we walk out into this very dark world. You cannot go wrong going to God. You can't go wrong. So run to him. Illuminating conversations. Need to have one of those in your life? Maybe it's a, a caring one that's going to take a lot of prayer and discernment. Um, maybe it's a careful one, how you got a chance to talk to somebody about Christ. Or maybe it's a carefree one that you need to have with God. You know, all of those things are possible because of the Holy Spirit within us and because of what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to close the service here this morning um, remembering what Christ has done. So Pastor Randy's going to come. And he is going to lead us in the Lord's Supper. So if you need your communion elements, they're right there next to the sound booth. A lot of times we celebrate... um, important events with a dinner or a supper or a feast. When I was in seventh grade, we had an undefeated basketball season, so we had a dinner. When I got married to Linda, we had a feast after the ceremony. It was wonderful. It was, it was beautiful. When uh, I planted a church in the year 2000, we had a big dinner to kick that off and celebrate and commemorate that time. Communion is a, 
is a feast that the Lord Jesus gave us to remember him. Um, It's not a five-course meal. It's very simple, the bread and the cup. But what they signify and who they represent is great. And so it is a feast. The Bible and Jesus himself tells us that there will be another great feast when he comes again to culminate the kingdom of God. And in the book of Revelation, near the end, it is called the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's what we have to look forward to at the end of time. When the new heaven and new earth is here, it will be so much to celebrate. It will be a great feast. And so today, as we observe the Lord's table, let me encourage you to not only look back at, uh, at that communion meal, at the Lord's table, and to look back at Christ's once-for-all sacrifice for sin, but also to look forward to his coming again as a husband for his bride, the church which will be another great feast. In this time between the times, we do this in remembrance of what he has done and what he's doing and what he will do. If you are in Christ by faith, this supper is for you. And uh, it could be that maybe you've never taken that step of faith. And uh, today, by by taking these elements, you could actually be affirming your your belief in Jesus and what he's done and that it is for you and your response to that. I want you to hear these words of institution now. This is from Luke 22. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after he had eaten saying, this cup is poured out for you. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Lord, we thank you for what you've done, for what you are doing now, and for what you will do in the end. Lord, this great redemption plan that somehow, by your grace, have decided to include us so that we can come to this table and so that we will be at that table at the end of time. Lord, we have nothing else to say but thank you today as we as we eat this bread and drink this cup. In Jesus' name, amen.